0: to you there. Hello there. Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Amanda Kate. She is a kinesiologist, a mentor, a life coach, an author, a podcast host, and last but certainly not least, a mother. That is one hell of a resume. Amanda, how the fuck do you find the time for all of this? (laughs) I mean, I would imagine that being a kinesiologist alone is one hell of a demanding job. So (laughs) never mind all the other hats you wear. So how important is prioritization and organization to you? And how do you stay on top of things?
1: Oh, look, for me, I think it really has been about listening to my body. That is the biggest thing I've learned over the last 7 to 11 years has been you know, reading the signs and prioritizing my own health is the number one thing that allows me then to look after everybody else. And the roles, I guess, all merge and change anyway. You know, the author and soon to be podcast host is, you know, that side of things are standalone bits but the kinesiology, life coaching and mentorship sort of end up merging together because I bring in whatever skills I need for my clients at the time.
0: Right.
1: So that kind of merges into one job, even if people want, you know, either life coaching or kinesiology, yeah. the other bits that they need come in naturally anyway.
0: And so being a multi-passionate entrepreneur and wearing so many hats, what does your morning routine look like?
1: so actually I was just mentioning it to you at the moment this last yeah. month has been a little bit crazy because I'm doing a couple of podcast interviews most mornings or at least one and then if I don't have those then the rest of the day obviously flows exactly the same I, I basically get up around 5 5 30 sometimes I'll do some yoga or work then I take my dog for a walk once the sun comes up so that's usually about two hours I do about I think it's about 10 minutes to drive to the beach where I walk him because I don't yeah. walk him at the beach that's a few hundred meters from me because it's not off lead. And my dog's terrible on lead because I'm <laughs> so used to having him free rein. Right. So we go up to the dog leash free beach because it is super long. Like it's probably five, six, seven kilometers long. Oh, wow. And I walk basically up. Two two to three of those beaches. And so it's about a seven and a half K round trip. And in the middle, there's this fabulous cafe where my community That saved my mental health through lockdown is Uh, all the many lockdowns we had in Melbourne. And so, walk up there and get a chai with him every morning and then come back and hose him off and get myself ready for work. And yeah, I just love it. It grounds me. Doesn't matter what the weather's doing, I'm out there. So, I've got a big, what they call a Nordic robe, which is a windproof, waterproof knee length jacket. So all weathers, I'm sorted.
0: (laughs) Love it. And I'm sure he thanks you for all of that too. Oh my God.
1: (laughs) Do you know, it means that when I've got interviews or when I've got clients, he basically just sleeps in my room the rest of the day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a dog's life.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I figure if you get a Border Collie poodle, he's yep. cross. You have to exercise him. He's supposed to be out either chasing sheep or hunting yeah. with his hunter for, you know, six to eight hours yeah. a day. So, so the least I can do is walk him for a couple of those. Oh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> and I'm sure he's very grateful for that indeed. He is. Now, being a multi-passionate entrepreneur, mm-hmm. have you always had that entrepreneurial bug within you? And if so, where do you think that comes from for you?
1: Oh, hell no. Definitely not. And I feel like I've kind of fallen into it because I was raised by a mum who was a stay-at-home mum. And whilst I wanted to work and I wanted that career and I was quite passionate about where I wanted to go, I never really had the confidence or self-belief that I deserved that, mostly because I'd been told so often my shortcomings let's right. call it. And so every time I tried to start something, there would be a few comments of you're getting in the way of family time, you're not supporting me enough. And so I'd get something started, and then it'd stop. And then I would doubt my own abilities. And it was that way of, I guess, keeping me in the role that was presumed I was needed in. And then once I found kinesiology, my idea was just to be a kinesiologist, to just Do that one thing and start a clinic and do it around the children and where it didn't impact everybody else. And once I left the marriage, it just became this thing that was this burning desire to help other people. And it's really grown out of that burning desire because, you know, when I go back to when I left my ex husband seven years ago, I'd already had almost a year of kinesiology sessions and I'd been studying for a couple of months and this modality was changing my life every single day i was becoming less tense healthier i had more energy my chronic fatigue symptoms were dissipating everything was improving and i was starting to understand myself and The more I learned, the more I realized I didn't know. This was opening a whole world that I had no clue about before. It was connecting my mind, body, spirit. It was reconnecting me to my spirituality, which was something that I'd lost. It reconnected me to all these parts of myself that I'd lost, suppressed, forgotten I had. And... It was blowing my mind. And that's really what started to drive my passion. And then especially when I realized that I had to make my own way in this world, it was this driving force of, I can't do anything else. And I know that sounds really overly dramatic, but every time I've thought about closing down my business, because it can be exhausting. It can be tiring. It can be a hell of a lot more work than going to work for somebody else. And sometimes yeah. the rewards are next to nothing. Yeah. You know, if you have four or five clients drop off for a week because of illness or childcare issues or whatever it is, all of a sudden your income goes from being a healthy income that's going to get you through the month to, oh, hang on now, they're pushing it out one, two, three, four, five weeks. And okay, how do I manage my finances around that? And they've all been beautiful lessons. And also it's been that stressful thing. But every time I've thought about giving it in, I just, I can't. I can't do anything else. This is what I am born
0: to do. There you go. And there's such power in that. it's so beautiful. You came home to yourself. Mm. You came back home to Amanda. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. And I I
1: discovered me because a lot of me, I hadn't had a chance through any of my life to discover because I was continually shoved into these small boxes. You've got to be the good girl. You've got to behave. You've got to do this. And if you don't do those things, then although it wasn't overtly said, I felt like I wasn't loved. So if I didn't play the game and play to those rules, I felt unloved and unlovable.
0: That so speaks that to all that conditioning, there. right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: And so you mm. stay stuck there, but you've now found yourself again, which is beautiful. And yeah. the fact that you've found yourself as well as finding your purpose, mm. your passion, your mission here on this planet, mm. like that's fucking powerful and incredible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's been amazing. Honestly, it's just life-changing.
0: It is. It truly is. And you said, you know, it may sound dramatic or over dramatic. It's not, Mm. though. When you find that thing that lights your soul on fire, it's beyond description. It truly Mm. is. It's an amazing feeling that you can't fully express in words.
1: Yeah. I remember standing in dog park at the beginning of COVID when we'd just been shut down and I literally stood there and I sobbed to my partner. Because I said, I can't do anything else. I don't know what my life looks like without this. And he couldn't get his head around it because he's not in that kind of job. And as supportive and loving as he was, he's like, I just don't understand. You could do anything. And I'm like, I know I could do anything, but I can't do anything. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yeah. it's I can't I do anything else.
1: <laughs> and I said, and I can't explain to you the feeling that I have. But in this moment, I feel so full of grief because I feel like I've just had what I'm born here to do ripped out of my soul. And, and yes, that brought obviously different, you know, creativity and and all of these different things that came up for me. But in that moment, I still remember going, Oh my God, how am I going to survive without this in my life?
0: Yeah. And you don't know that feeling unless you're in that and you've Mm. experienced it, or you know what that feels like to find that thing that sets your soul on fire.
1: Absolutely. hundred percent.
0: And so what drives, motivates and inspires you to keep going, Amanda, to keep pushing and excelling at all that you do?
1: I think it is that, that knowing that I can't do anything else, you know, there's been a lot of times last year was actually a, in so many ways harder than the previous two years here in Melbourne. It was a really bizarre year for almost everyone in this kind of industry. It's like the bottom fell out of the industry and people were floundering. They were trying to grasp onto normal. They were trying to deny their trauma and grief from the last couple of years. It's a very different place to a lot of other places in the world right now because it was so traumatized by such severity in lockdowns. And that really changed the landscape. And a lot of people have noticed it, even if they're not in this kind of industry. But I know a lot of coaches who shut down their businesses. I know a lot of people who took on extra part-time work. You know, the industry has really, really suffered, but it's starting to really shift and change now as people are going, huh, that normal that I was grasping onto isn't actually there. I was grasping onto ideals that have just changed and they're not going to come back. And so now they're going, oh crap. Now I need help navigating (laughs) because I need
0: to know (laughs) what this landscape looks like. New normal. Yeah. 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 And so what inspired your journey into the world of kinesiology? Did this journey for you begin with some of your own personal struggles?
1: Always. I don't know any coach or person in the healing arts who hasn't gone through their trauma and been led there by it. So for me, it was definitely having chronic fatigue. It was the toxic marriage. It was the emotional abuse, the psychological abuse, all of that side of things that had diminished who I was as a person. And at the time I felt it had broken me, but that brokenness wasn't actually brokenness. It was just a cracking open to allow this new life in. But that was really what got me started on the journey because I needed, I still remember my first kinesiology session. I walked into my kinesiologist set and said, I need to fix myself enough because I'm broken. And if I fix myself enough, I can save my marriage.
0: Wow. That's yeah. profound. That's pretty screwed
1: up actually when you, when you look at it, but it does. uh, I used to joke with them that they saw me and just went, (laughs) (laughs) cha-ching.
0: We've got a live one. I know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They are the most beautiful human being. And uh, they actually became one of my teachers. So I was seeing them as my main kinesiologist for about five years. And they became my teacher towards the end of my diploma and through my advanced diploma. So we had a lot of laughs about that. <laughs> they just looked at me and they kept saying, I just can't believe this woman compared to the one who walked into my office. It's And that's transformation. Crazy. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mm.
0: But that's the thing. I think a lot of people, you hear a lot of people say, I'm broken. I need to be fixed. Nobody is no. broken. Nobody no. is broken. No. And that's where we need to shift the language and the, mm. and the mindset and the way of thinking around that.
1: We're exactly where we need to be, even if it feels like we're in the – you know, I thought I was at rock bottom at that point. And then I realized over the next couple of years through the divorce process, I was just bouncing along rock bottom and finding new holes to fall in, to be honest. And I'd climb out of one and go, yeah, I'm good now. I'm going to start climbing up. And then I'd crash down another one. And, you know, it was this massive roller coaster of a journey. And even then, once I'd gotten through the divorce, which was you know, you divorce a toxic person, it's not going to be an easy process. And I remember at the beginning of it, my psychologist saying divorce is not for the faint of heart. And I went, yeah, but what other choice do I have? And she agreed with me. (laughs) However, I was glad that she said that to me because it meant that I was at least prepared for it as much as I could be. And even through that preparation, it was still just nasty and horrible. And you know, there's people out there that talk. I I mean, there's a few coaches online who go on about how you can always get through a divorce in a positive manner and you can always end up friends with your ex. And I'm just going, well, that's probably because you weren't with somebody (laughs)
0: like
1: I'm with. And so I call a bit of BS on that because, you know, it's an ideal perspective and it would be lovely. However, You know, in reality, you need both parties to want that and to be able to step up as adults to do that. And I wasn't in a position to step up as an adult either because I was still in that trauma phase. And once the divorce was finalised, a few months later, I actually went through... A really long period of about two or three months of ptsd now i was working through with kinesiologists and other healers through that time however i didn't actually realize until i looked back actually it was until i met a girlfriend who worked a lot in complex trauma and i talked about what had happened in those few months and she said you're in ptsd and i was like "Huh." that makes a lot of sense now. (laughs) So, you know, there were just these emotional outbursts and this anger and this just all of these emotions that I'd been suppressing were coming out in completely inappropriate situations. And I was like, what is going on with me? Am I finally like (laughs) going crazy? And yes, it was really fascinating time, but also in having that process unfold for me, it helps me with other people because I can see where they're at in that process.
0: There you go. And that's it. It's finding mm. the lessons and all of that. I mean, yeah. all of these experiences that we go through, it's necessary and it just helps shape who we are as people.
1: <sighs> Absolutely. And I'm so grateful for all of it. You know, even the stuff that still comes up, it's still there to guide me, to teach me, to give me new perspectives, to allow me to look at things differently and to allow me to find that next level of evolution and ascent, you know, not ascension, I don't really like that term, but expansion for yeah. myself and for my knowledge base.
0: But see, it's that little tweak in mindset to realize and to know that these experiences are there to teach mm-hmm. us and, and help shift and change and shape who we are. Yeah. It's all part of the process.
1: And when you're in it, those things that we say like it is what it is and life happens yeah. to you. No, What is that for you? Not life to happens you. for
0: you, not to you. Yeah.
1: You know, they all sound like really fucking annoying platitudes when people say them to you and you're in the dark. Yeah. When you come out of it, you go, oh, yeah, I get it.
0: Yeah, I see that now.
1: <laughs> well, you see it at the time, but God, it shits you when people point it out yeah. to you because you just don't want to point it out in that moment because you know that's what's happening, but you don't want to yep. fucking agree with it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just shut the fuck up with that. Stick your platitudes. like yeah. Enough. I know, I know. Let's move on from it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 100%.
0: 100%. (laughs) So what would you say then for you was the biggest or one of the biggest or most valuable takeaways or lessons from your experiences?
1: It's about not being afraid to go really deep into my emotions. Knowing that my emotions are not going to kill me, but the suppression of them could.
0: That's an interesting perspective.
1: My emotions were what led me and the suppression of my emotions because it wasn't okay for me to show them. And that's what created the chronic fatigue was me shoving down all these big emotions I was having because I wasn't allowed to show them. I was not allowed to fight with my sister when I was younger. I was not allowed to show anger. I was not allowed to do so many different things that a normal human things to do through my marriage. I was only allowed to, you know, walk a tiny tightrope of behavior before I was chastised or admonished for what I was doing. I was always held so tightly. And in that it was like this spring that was tightening and tightening and tightening and tightening and tightening with nowhere to go. And so it started to physically manifest into disease. And there was so many things physically going wrong with my body it would have been that emotional stress that ended up killing me. Wow. But by going into those emotions, unpacking them, working out why I'd suppress them, how I'd suppress them, where I'd stored them, the physical manifestations of them in the body, and then vibrationally shifting them from the body with those somatic therapies I was able to breathe easier. I didn't have the same aches and pains. I haven't had back pain now for gosh, years. When I was first going through divorce, I would end up having emergency sessions with different kinesiologists because I could not move my neck. Holy and shit. I had all of this stuff going on because I was holding it in my body. But then as you start to release it, you realize, oh, okay, this is giving me some relief. And so now I'm willing to go into those depths and some of them are still scary. They're not places that we're taught to go, so we don't have a guidebook for them. But in feeling it, I'm acknowledging that it's there. I'm not fighting against it. And therefore the result isn't as catastrophic because there's not the same resistance there.
0: Shit. I mean, that's a big thing is that because a lot of people don't want to yeah. look within. And do that self-work mm-hmm. because they're scared of what they're going to find and what they're yeah. going to see inside when they take a look, when they peel back those layers mm-hmm. and look, it's like, oh, shit, here we yeah. go. Yeah.
1: And people think it's a Pandora's box that once you open, it's all going to come spewing out all at once <laughs> and it's, it's going to be horrendous. But when you're working with the right professionals, and this is something that I have always surrounded myself with, are people that who can help me that I trust to walk with me through those times. So, yeah, there's stuff I do on my own. And also, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I go to professionals for. And, yeah.
0: No, go ahead, Amanda. I'll say it after. Go ahead.
1: No, no, no. It was was exactly that. It was just having that internal and external scaffolding, the internal tools and the external support.
0: I like that you said that because that's something – That is very important to stress. Mm. And I think that we as humans, because of conditioning, again, we think that to ask for help is to show weakness. Yeah. And we need that. We are not, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. We're Mm. not meant to do this journey of life, of entrepreneurship, of any of it alone. We need support. You cannot do it alone. Yes, there are certain things that you have to do by yourself. You have to start the process of doing the work, doing the self-work. And no one else is going to do or can do that for you. But you need that support yeah. to get through it, to continue on that path. And there's no shame in asking for help. It's not a sign of weak. I think it's a fucking sign of strength.
1: And I think the other thing to really mention in there is most people will spend more time researching the new car they're going to buy or their new pair of shoes than they yeah. buy their mental health and spiritual health practitioners. And yes. I think you've got to learn to ring around, to have a conversation, to take advantage of those free 15-minute calls to see if you've yeah. got a connection with that person or whatever it is. Because it's a really vital part to have that connection, to feel safe with that person to trust that person can walk you through it. The other thing that I think is really important is in this role of work, I still work with my mentor regularly. I also work with other health professionals at the moment. I'm working with an acupuncturist and a hypnotherapist as well as my mentor. I will always have two or three practitioners that I'm working with in different ways to support me in my journey so that I can support others in theirs. And I think if your coach, if your healer, whatever modality they're coming from is not working on themselves, they are not the right person to go with because they stagnate where they are. And if they're not prepared, if they think they're healed and they're enlightened and all the rest of it, then they're definitely not.
0: Yeah. I love that you share that because it's important that people know and realize that the work is never done. No. We are never finished. It's a continual process, just like like you've got to work on yourself all mm-hmm. the way through life. It doesn't stop once you feel that, as you said, you're enlightened or you've reached your spiritual high or no, it doesn't that self work never stops. No.
1: And if you think you've reached that enlightenment and that spiritual high, then, you know, you'd be doing things that are out of this world and, you know, yeah. <laughs> and most people think they're further ahead than they are and because yes. it is an ego thing. And, you yeah. know, I've been there where I've had that delusion of, oh, you know, I'm, I'm here. done. <laughs> and then I'll get another smack down from the universe and go, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm never going to be done.
0: <laughs> and that's it, right? The universe always steps in yeah. when it's needed. So absolutely. Now, For those who might not exactly know, can you share with us a little bit about the work you do as a kinesiologist and how long have you been working in the field of kinesiology?
1: Yes, I opened my business, I think it was the beginning of November 2016, it was. And so what's that, six, just over six years. And kinesiology blends Eastern wisdom with Western science. So we work a lot with your acupressure points, your traditional Chinese medicine meridian system. We work with the Chakranati system because basically people think that the subconscious is between your ears, but the subconscious is in every electrical signal within your being. It is in your cells. It is in your organs. It is in your auric field. Literally your entire being is the sum total of who you ever were, are, or will be. And so working in that field is what we are doing if you imagine your energy systems as like a river system, then the stresses are like dams being put in and, you know, branches clogging and, you know, whatever else. And so you'll have areas where there's such a big block that it ends up flooding you know, areas that shouldn't flood, and then you'll have other blockages which will stop the water running downstream, and you'll have other blockages that create new pathways off from it. And so what we're trying to do is, is remove some of those blockages in a gentle vibrational shift to be able to get that river system back into its glory. The image that literally just popped into my mind was, I think it was Yosemite National Park where they reintroduced the wolves because yes, it was starting I, yes. to decimate.
0: It was, Yellowstone. it was Yellowstone. Oh, Yellowstone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I knew it was one of those parks, I so thank you. Yeah. And, you know, the wolves had been hunted out of there, chased out of there. You know, they re – and then it became a wasteland because there was no predators to kill yeah. the other animals that were damaging the national park they bring in the wolves and it's gone back the rivers have you know started flowing again the ground is being churned over again the grasses and watching videos of it is phenomenal they've actually got a few times lapse videos but that's sort of what we're doing to your body is we're replenishing that natural order of things and realistically, and I keep coming back to this question, what is us and what is our trauma patterning and our conditioning? Because realistically, we are the sum total of all of it. And what we're wanting to do is start recognising which bits of us are unresourceful and which bits of us we'd perhaps like to have more resources in, because we can't erase our history what we can do is we can change the way that we react to it and respond to things in present time. And we can sit with the totality of who and what we are more comfortably. We can hold our shadows with love for the fact that they have given us safety or they have given us connection or they've just kept us alive to the next day, even if they are unresourceful. So for me, it's really going in. We're looking for the root cause of the trauma that is creating a disease in the moment and we're changing that vibrational programming. We're bringing out from that subconscious mind into the conscious when it started, how it started, what emotion got it stuck there, what stories we're feeding it, and then we can bring in a vibrational remedy to change that vibrational pattern in the body so that it sits more easily and, do- and we can notice it then when we fall into those patterns or we can change those behaviours or sometimes they just never come up again. It's like, oh, that's put to bed, great, I don't need yeah. to carry that with me anymore.
0: I love the analogy of Yellowstone and the reintroduction of Mm. the wolves. I've heard a lot of people talk about it. I've not seen any videos of it. I'll have to look for those online because I would love to see that.
1: There's a few time-lapse ones and it's
0: mind-blowing. But isn't that incredible that the reintroduction of one species Mm -hmm. can shift an entire national park's ecosystem? Like it's phenomenal.
1: And to put that into our human perspective, for us to bring into ourself, one of those parts that we have cut off, shamed, repressed or hidden because we are ashamed of it. We're embarrassed by it. We're not able to love it. If we can look at that part of ourself and bring it back into the fold like a lost child and give it love and give it thanks because everything has just tried to keep us safe. It might be a An unresourceful safety mechanism, but it kept us safe. So we could bring that back into the fold and it starts to sit more comfortably with us. It changes our ecosystem.
0: Yep. That's beautiful. I love it. Now you have said that You see as part of your role in the world, and again, this speaks to you Mm -hmm. finding your purpose, it's to help others achieve business success through understanding Mm -hmm. the new and emerging paradigms of business. Can you share a little bit about what some of these new and emerging paradigms are and why this mission that you're on to share this wisdom is so personally important to you?
1: Do you know, I am sick and fucking tired of the shame in marketing. (laughs) If I'm honest, I have unfollowed so many coaches because you can tell with the energy of their posts, they are preying on other coaches who are not making five, fucking 10 figures a month or whatever the hell they're promoting these days. (laughs) And they're, but they're preying on it in a shame way. And it's the reason that they are making that five, six figures a month is because they are bringing in People who are being shamed that they're not doing enough, that they're not good enough, that they're not finding clients in the right way, that they're not attracting the right people, they're shaming people. You know what? You might have four or five really incredible clients who you're meant to work with. Yeah. Great. You know what? Celebrate them. Do the work with them. But people are going, well, that's not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not doing well enough. So then they sign up for these courses. You know, that's how these coaches are making their money by preying on that shame. How many success stories come out of that? Because you can tell they might pick one, two, five success stories in how long you've been running it. I just get really, oof, the (laughs) energy behind it is just disgusting. And I see it all the time with all of these healers. You know, they're talking about hacking your nervous system. You cannot hack your nervous system. Your nervous system will not calm down if you feel unsafe. So until we deal with what you are not feeling safe about, your nervous system cannot be hacked. I'm sorry. There Mm -hmm. is no shortcut. And all of these people out there selling shortcuts and selling this, it is all preying on our vulnerability. It is preying on our unhealed nature. It is preying on our shame and our embarrassment and our guilt and all of those things and is poking on it. I also don't agree with poking on pain points. Yes, I want to tell you what I do, but I don't want to go, you're in this pain and I'm going to work it into you to make you feel more painful so that then you buy my product no. Yeah. And you know what people who sell courses, oh, it's usually fourteen nine nine five. But for today I'll give you it's <laughs> for three nine nine seven. You know what? It's worth three nine nine seven. Otherwise you'd sell it for fifteen grand. I'm sorry. Yes, like, exactly. don't bullshit me. And so <laughs> all of this just it feels skeevy, it feels patriarchal, it feels shaming, it feels old school, and it does not feel like it fits with the way that the earth needs to go, which is a higher I don't want to say higher vibration, a more coherent energetic structure. Yeah. Because we are wanting to go into more heart coherence, more gut coherence, more brain coherence, more coherence with other human beings. It is not about power over. It is power with power to power for. It is us realizing that the rising tide raises all of the boats
0: preach and i fucking love it oh my god it.
1: i'm sorry can you tell i've got <laughs> nope, a it. on it no
0: and it's true <laughs> but i love it though i think it's brilliant i think a lot of the coaching industry needs to be fucking called out
1: i'm f- i'm over it and a lot of healing is about self responsibility you need yeah. to learn to love yourself enough to actually take those steps to not fill your face with shit and then complain that you're tired yeah. and it doesn't mean that you can never we need pleasure. Don't get me wrong. I love wine. I love chocolate. I love, (laughs) I've just found dairy-free ice cream. Oh, my God, it's changed my (laughs) life because I can't eat dairy and gluten. I love it. But, again, I'm not shoving it in my face every day because my body doesn't cope with that. And I've learned to love my body enough to give it what it needs and what it wants. Now, over Christmas, you know what? I had a blowout. I drank too much. I ate too much. But you know what? Now it's come into it and I'm going, great, that's done now until the next celebration or whenever it is I decide I'm going to do my next blowout. And, again, some people might say that's not. I call it, I heard the words the other day, moderate hedonism. I'm all (laughs) up for that. Yeah. You know, it's not about denying ourselves pleasure. It is working out why we're doing it in the first place. When I emotionally eat, I know there's something much, much bigger going on. Love and it. when self-awareness, I, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the same with mental health, you know. Yes. To to purely take a pill and think we're gonna be over it. Now, I am not dissing the pills. Some people need them. I have seen clients who are going, I don't want to be on this medication. I'm like, honey, you need to be on it right now. That's okay. <laughs> and that's yeah. okay. If you have that idea, you don't need to be on it forever, but right now it's helping you. So let's Uh work out what the most beneficial thing for you is, and that is unpacking our trauma. It is gently working out what will make you feel safe in this world and how you can have that safety even when things are tumultuous around you Yeah, because that's what our nervous system actually needs. And so it's calling out some of this BS in the – and the victimhood in so much of it yeah so wow. they're really those big things that kind of drive me <laughs>
0: <laughs> i love it thank you for sharing that i i agree with you i think it's crazy the way people prey on other people in that way you know it yeah. needs to be called out people need to be called and out you know what. Shit.
1: I have had people who have gone to very big name motivational speakers and come home traumatised because they've had all these containers opened up but they've not been closed down effectively. So they've got this energetic just shitstorm going on in them and they come to me and they're going, oh, my God, that! I thought this would change my life and I've just come out feeling worse than when I went in. It so it did change great. your
0: life, just it not felt, in a good way.
1: It was like they they went in and they got razzed up and they got all this excitement and motivation. But mm-hmm. in all of this release that they're doing and in all this, you know, hoopla and showbiz stuff, they've actually picked up all of this other shit that's flying around from other people releasing, you know, stuff. Yep. yep. But they've come back and they feel so discombobulated and ungrounded and all over the place. Yeah. And I've had to, you know, work with them over a few sessions to get their energy systems back in coherence.
0: Recalibrate. Mm. It's good for them that you're there to help them do that because feeling scattered and, and discombobulated is, is fu- a horrible oh, fucking feeling. It's awful. It is.
1: And you get enough of that in regular life anyway,
0: let's face yes, it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. You don't need one of these big highfalutin high, six-figure coaches doing that for you.
1: And especially when you've paid them big, yes, big money and all they're exactly. doing is opening up your trauma, not not finding a way to, to safely contain your yeah. container, you know, and work with it in a way that you release it. It's released and then you're able to read, you know, Change that vibrational structure so that you don't have those big gaping holes in the energy field that things For go sure. oh yeah that that's a great place to come and live <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> Amanda, as a business mentor, mm. mindset is obviously a huge piece of mm. that puzzle. Can you speak to how important a part mindset has played in helping you through your struggles and through your business and all of these things and just how important mindset is to our daily routines and our successes?
1: Do you know, I think it changes every day. You know, there mm-hmm. are days that I wake up that I am super motivated and, you know, I get shit done and it feels effortless and easy. And then there are other days I struggle through the day. Now, I actually, at the end of last year, I reduced my – actually, it might have even been the year before. I reduced my values to one value and I reduced my main goal to one goal. Everything else needs to be held up to that. If it doesn't fit within that, it doesn't get done. So my main value is self-mastery. Okay. The more I master myself, the more I can master my reactions, my compassion, my empathy. I can be – safe to explore my emotions. I can understand why my emotions are there. I can understand when I need to work with other people and it then extends into others. I can be more empathic with others. I can be more compassionate with others. I can be more present with others because I can do that with myself. The main goal I have is that I choose to be of divine service to the collective conscious. Love it. Now me having a beautiful hedonistic time over Christmas was actually (laughs) me being of divine service. I had so much fun with my partner. We just had the best freaking time. We didn't do a lot. We were at home. We beach walked. We just had fun and it was amazing. Now if I continue that through when I'm working, not so great. So again, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> when I get back to work, that stops. It just stops. It has to, I can't work yeah. and do that.
0: And awareness.
1: that's, and it was so much fun. You know, it was, it was just great. But then there's a time that that then needs to stop because i've done so much work on my trauma there are times that i've you know used alcohol as a crutch and a numbing tool and all of that and you know what sometimes i still consciously go you know what i've had enough today i'm gonna have a glass of wine and just numb out because i just don't want to cope with it but i'm doing consciously and i am in control of it it is not in control of me there's the key and that's the big shift and change. The same with, you know, finding that dairy-free ice cream. <laughs> I found it just before Christmas. I had one before Christmas. I had one at the beginning of Jan because it was a hot day. You know, like it yeah. took me probably three, four weeks to eat those three and I'm going, oh, okay. Whereas usually they'd be in the fridge and they'd be calling to me until they were yeah. all gone. <laughs> now that doesn't happen anymore because, again, I've, I've worked out those emotional triggers. I understand That, you know, my energy is more coherent. I don't need to fill those gaps with those sorts of things anymore. Yeah. So it is a conscious choice. And that kind of healing is super achievable and you've got to work at it and it takes time. There are no hacks to it you will take as long as you need to do it. And I think that mindset thing basically comes down to with that one goal, with that one value, I can hold everything up to that. If it doesn't fit, I need to ask myself, do I still feel like I need to do it or want to do it? And if Mm -hmm. so, why? Yeah. How does it fit with these two things?
0: There are no magic bullets. No. There are no get rich quick schemes or quick no. fixes or you have to be willing to put in the work period. Yep. That's it. Yep. There's no easy way.
1: No, hell no. And wouldn't it be nice if there was, but sure. You know, but- I've done enough of this work, you know, even, even people talking about smashing limiting beliefs. I'm sorry. My limiting beliefs are still there. My mm. I'm unlovable. My I'm unworthy. The I'm not good enough. The who are you to do that? still come up the difference is I have the volume switch because those limiting beliefs are still going to live there before I come on any podcast it's like who are you to go talk to them what do you know yeah because guess whose voices they are and I turn down that volume I hear you I know you're trying to keep me safe and I'm still Mm going to do this anyway because I'm in control I'm the adult. And those inner children and inner teens and inner younger versions of me know that I'm in control because I'm a grown-ass woman and and I've given them enough love and support and resources over my time of healing that they understand that I have their best interest at heart so they don't need to act up anymore and create those unresourceful behaviours. And when they do act up and I act unresourcefully, I can now look at them. And go, okay, what do you need right now? Why are you feeling that you need to act up?
0: Yeah. Love it. What then is one tip or takeaway that listeners can implement immediately to start reconditioning their mind for the success that they want?
1: Slow the fuck down (laughs) and breathe. Yeah. There are so many times through the day. I used to do this a hell of a lot more. I used to have to stop and do these massive deep breaths like, oh, you know. And my ex-husband used to get so angry. He's like, what are you sighing for again? You're always sighing. I'm like, it's because I can't breathe. That's called anxiety because I live with you. No, I didn't actually say that, of course, because I would have regretted that one. <laughs> but, you know, I now recognize that it was anxiety and it was because I couldn't breathe. Now, I, because of that muscle memory of 37 years of effectively holding my breath, every now and then I still catch this moment of, (laughs) whew, I've not been breathing properly. And so I spend a minute or two, no matter what I'm doing, I'll stop, catch my breath, spend a few moments practicing my belly breathing, and then I can go back to work. Whereas before I would just stand there and there were times I felt like I wasn't getting any air into my lungs at all. I'd go almost into a panic attack. Now it's catch it at that first couple of breaths where I don't feel like I'm breathing deep enough. Breathe deeply, slow down. Now let's get back to it. Or was there something creating the anxiety in me that has created my breath to slow down? Which bit is it? Is it a muscle memory? Is it an actual anxiety? Okay, let's have a look at this. So I think it's really slow down and breathe because the moment you slow down and breathe, you can then get into your front creative brain from your survival brain. And then you can look at things from a completely different lens. You can feel into your body more solidly. And I think that just changes everything.
0: 100%. It sounds like such an incredibly simple thing to do breathe all you got to do is slow down and breathe but it's it's hard as hell because again i think conditioning plays a part where oh you got to check this off the list you got to do this you got to do this you got to do this and then it's on to the next thing and and Mm -hmm. we have to fucking slow down if we have learned nothing but that from what we've just been through around the Mm. world like what the fuck wake up people
1: yeah a hundred percent. Absolutely. And I think, <laughs> and I think there is still so much of that messaging about hustle culture and all of that. Oh,
0: I fucking hate that oh, word.
1: Yeah. Oh, there's so much. Don't of, start
0: me on that. <laughs>
1: do you know, I actually keep making screenshots and things of posts that I want to go and talk about, but I, I have to leave enough time so that people don't realize it's their post I'm talking. About. But I've got all of these ones that I want to speak to because i we need to start calling out the bullshit. We need to yeah. start going. And and the thing is a lot of healing is going back to basics that we know but we don't do because we think it doesn't work or because we've given up on doing it or because life's gotten too busy, we can't be fucked with it. Yeah. But a lot of my healing has been coming back to basics. It's feeling the emotions. It's being present in my body. It is breathing. It is paying attention to what's going on. It is, you know, if I come in and I'm feeling resentful after a day's work and I've had a long day and nobody's lifting a finger to help, well, why am I feeling resentful there? Mm -hmm. I actually have a voice. If I've had that hard a day, you know what, I've got enough people with two arms and a consciousness that can come and help me with stuff.
0: Yeah. So
1: why am I not asking them? Why am I feeling like I have to do it all? Okay, you know what, change it. It's time yeah. for me to speak up. It's time for me to do that. Now again, it's taken me years to know that I am able to speak up, that I'm allowed to speak up. Mhm. But then if I know that I'm allowed to speak up and then I choose not to, that's on me.
0: Yeah, that's right. Radical self responsibility.
1: Self-respons- yeah.
0: 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now As mentioned off the top, you're an author, Amanda. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us a little bit about the book you wrote, what it's all about, what inspired you to write the book?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is called Divine Messy Human. It is a spiritual guide to prioritizing internal truth over external influence. And the book had been in different iterations with different titles in my head from probably five years before I started writing it. It was a lot of the tools and techniques that I've learned, a lot of the theory I've learned, a lot of the practical stuff I've implemented to basically move me from this place of self-hatred into self-love. And so there's not a lot of my story in it, but there are some great examples either from myself or from clients to illustrate what I'm trying to say. And it talks about, you know, the way I think about spirituality. It does have that esoteric wisdom in it. It does get spiritual and it's also accessible enough for people who aren't, you know, don't consider themselves spiritual because I believe everyone is spiritual. But for those who don't consider themselves spiritual, it is about them reconnecting to their spirit And that's all spirituality really is. It's our experience with the divine, and the divine lives in all of us. We are divine creatures. And so, again, even the title, the more we can acknowledge and accept our divinity and tap into that divine part of our nature, the more we accept and love our messiness and that we can learn to stop denying it, accept that it's there, and love it as a part of us, as the totality of who and what we are, the easier our human existence becomes.
0: Love that. Now, I want to speak a little bit about entrepreneurship. Mm. And I mean, being an entrepreneur is obviously it's not for the faint of heart. It's a tough journey. And, but it's so rewarding. And I honestly could not imagine doing anything else. But what is one piece of advice you would offer to someone who's thinking about making the leap into the world of entrepreneurship?
1: It's remember that almost every day you're going to want to quit your job. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Honestly, you know, almost every day I go, is this really what I want to do? Do I seriously want to keep doing this? And you know what? My my truthful, honest answer is yes. So, okay, what do I need to do? Because I think we do with the financial often in insecurity or instability, Especially in mine, you know, my diary, once you get about three weeks out, because most people, when, unless they're in a coaching program, most people will only book their next session when they come in for the one that they're in. So my diary, once you get past about three weeks, is pretty empty. And I just have to keep trusting that my clients will, the ones that drop off will be replaced by new ones and that, you know, that money just keeps appearing in my bank account for what I do. And that instability and insecurity is something that takes years to get used to and be okay with and sit with comfortably. And for a lot of people, that is the case. You know, they might be able to book a project or whatever it is that they can manage in whatever, you know, kind of work line they're doing. But when you look three, six, 12 months in advance, you may not know what your income is going to be. And that can be a really challenging place to live. For sure. And also, it's allowed me to build my trust with the universe. You know, those months that I've been going, seriously, I'm not going to make rent. And all of a sudden, I've had up to eight new clients book in in 48 hours. (laughs) And that's gotten me through to get me my rent. Now that doesn't Mm -hmm. happen all the time, but I'm not always, you know, not able to pay my rent every month. And so it's like, Oh, Oh, they are listening. Thank you guys.
0: You know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having my back.
1: Yeah. We need a lot of trust. We need a lot of faith in uncertainty and in so many ways, the uncertainty is where the magic is.
0: Yeah, for sure. What lights you up or excites you the most about being an entrepreneur?
1: Do you know I I love my work with clients. I love seeing the shifts and changes in them. That for me is is why I do what I do. It's what keeps me going. And even when I'm, you know, speaking to people over the other side of the world, you know what? I work online. And a lot of the interviews that I've done have been with people in the States or in Europe. And People go, well, why are you putting so much effort into that? And I'm going because they can be accessed from all over the world for a start and so can I. Yeah. And I don't want to restrict myself just to Australia because a lot of Australians aren't ready for life coaches. They're sort of, you know, the American audience and the Canadian audience and even parts of Europe recognise the importance of having this work done and doing it regularly. A lot of Australians are still in that she'll be right. (laughs) (laughs) really she's not always she won't always be right there are a lot of people waking up to it and a lot of those people obviously work with me but you know what i i want to take this work further afield i want to be on stages i want to be speaking to bigger audiences because i think it's really important messaging people need to know that they shouldn't be ashamed of who and what they are they've been conditioned this way and they have the power within them to change it 100%.
0: I love it. And so it shall be done. You will Mm. be on stages speaking. (laughs) We just put it out to the universe. You just put it out there right now. So there you go.
1: I'm keeping on putting it out there.
0: There you go. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say then on the flip side of that is one of the most challenging parts of being an entrepreneur that you found personally in your journey?
1: Oh, it's definitely the uncertainty. Yeah. You know, that is, it's really hard to feel so out of control at times. Yeah. And yet it also brings up the creativity and it brings out some of the magic. So, you know, and it's also the things that, you know, my partner goes, I will never start a business having seen you in
0: yours
1: <laughs> <laughs> because there are times I'll have a full week and especially last year was a big year for this. And it wasn't just me. It was literally industry wide and in especially Melbourne because that's where I spoke to most of those healers and some had been in business 20, 25 years. It's just that no one was talking about it because no one was brave enough to. But, of course, I tend to go into those conversations with people. (laughs) And they're going, oh, my God, I've never had this many cancellations. I've been in business 20 years. And even I was struggling to make ends meet. And I go, okay, so it wasn't just me then.
0: Great. Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, And, and it's being okay with that kind of stuff and recognizing that if you're meant to do it, the universe will conspire to make it happen. Now, I know I've been through the last three years for a reason. I know that I've been challenged. Well, can I, can I just interrupt you brink? for one yeah. sec
0: there, Amanda? Now you said, if it's meant to be the universe will conspire to make it happen. But I also, I think, and I want to state here, I think it's also important to mention that you can't just sit back and expect oh, the universe no. to take care of everything for you. I we mean, need inspired action. Yes, exactly. Yep. So we can't just sit back and hell okay, right. No. Things have gone upside down, but, I'm not going to do anything to recorrect or to course correct. I'm just going to let the universe do it for me. It doesn't work like that.
1: No. And that's why I go, you know, the same thing with your vision boards, with your, you know, goal setting with all of that. So many people put pipe dreams in and then don't take any actions against it. So what I have is I have a vision of where I'm going and that, is it may not be exactly clear, but I've got some broad brush strokes. So I know I want yeah. to be on stage speaking. I know I'm going to be writing more books. Obviously, as we spoke earlier, I'm going to be starting my podcast. There yes. are things that I am doing. So I have this general idea of where I'm going. The most important thing is actually because that could all change. There might be better ways for me to do all of this stuff. I just don't know them yet. So I have this idea of how am I going to feel when I'm doing it, as I'm doing it, as I'm taking this work further afield. And I keep those feelings in my body, that feeling of excitement and freedom and, being able to share this with the world because I know how excited I was when I was learning it and there are more people who will feel that way when I am teaching them. So I get that feeling in my body. But then I ignore everything between those feelings when I kind of am on my way there and what is my next step? What is the next step I need to take? Because everything between that next step and the end results, the end goals, is noise. It is what ifs. It is stress. It is anxiety. It is fear. It is, you know, other people's influences coming in. And it's a waste of energy and a waste of time for me to go into all of that. So I look at where I'm going. I look at my next step and what's my next action point.
0: Love it. What does the word empowerment mean to you, Amanda?
1: It's knowing yourself at such a deep level That you understand, it's not even really understand, you comprehend. Sorry, I don't like the word understand, just as a little (laughs) aside. Because understanding means you are standing underneath somebody else. You are under their authority. So I don't even want to understand myself. So that's why I changed it to comprehend, (laughs) by the way. Thank Um, you for sharing that. Just as a little aside, because language is so (laughs) important. It is. I want to comprehend the deepest levels of myself. And that for me helps me with everything that I do in life.
0: Beautiful. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it?
1: The biggest thing was about trusting myself. My intuition was always spot on. But because I had always been told all of the nasty things about myself, the negative things about myself, I didn't trust myself because every time I had these intuitive nudges, I would be told I was wrong. I would be told that I was stupid or that I didn't understand things or that I was, you know, whatever else. And my intuition was always spot on. If I had listened to it, if I had trusted it, and if I had acted on it, my life would have been a completely different story. I never had the courage to act on it because I didn't trust myself, so therefore I doubted my intuition. Since I have learned how strong and correct my intuition is, I have taken those actions, regardless of how crazy they look to the outside world. <laughs> and so far, so good.
0: <laughs> they haven't steered you wrong. Mm-hmm we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here so the next grouping of questions just be two three four word answer type thing okay how would you describe yourself in one word oh i'm trying the best i can
1: i know that's not one word
0: (laughs) no yeah
1: divine messy human
0: (laughs) (laughs) early bird or night owl early bird Money or fame?
1: I guess I'd have to go money because that would amplify my vision in the world.
0: If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be?
1: Trust yourself, act on your intuition.
0: What is your biggest pet peeve?
1: (laughs) What we spoke about earlier with the marketing and the shame.
0: (laughs) The shame game. Yeah. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be?
1: hopefully of spreading more love and acceptance and compassion into the world.
0: And that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> what is the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten?
1: Oh, probably too many too. I remember being told that I was brash and it wasn't just because I was Australian by a man who had been really creepy with me at work. I'm like, yeah, there's a reason I'm brash with you. Because
0: you're creepy. I'm keeping you at bay. But anyway, yeah. And I'll continue being brash in your general direction.
1: (laughs) And it was but it was that it was that judgment on my character without anybody looking at Who was creating the brashness? And I had the same thing. I had a very creepy uncle who used to get very handsy and I was always really rude to him. And I was always told off for being rude to him, but nobody ever asked me why I was rude to him. Nobody ever asked me why I was upset and why a usually polite person would be so damn nasty to somebody else. Yeah, It's like, you know what? How about you ask the person who's, you know, changed their behavior?
0: (laughs) No one picked up on that on the fact that you are normally an incredibly polite person nope. no one picked up on that
1: because then they would have had to admit what was going on
0: yeah yes 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 and, that's and therein lies the problem yes yep. absolutely we can't do that we've got to save face for the family you can't do that
1: can't admit that?
0: things no wow.
1: absolutely
0: not <laughs> <clears throat> what is something surprising you've learned about yourself in the last year
1: Oh, in the last year. I think it's that I can pretty much do anything when I put my mind to it. And I can I can live with the uncertainty in a much more cohesive way. Okay. It doesn't need to be so jarring. Okay.
0: In the last two years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life?
1: I have really transformed formed from mother the verb to mother the noun. So I'm doing less of the mothering and being mum more.
0: Uh, and it has been like transformative. That. That's a big shift.
1: It's It's been huge. Yeah.
0: What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life?
1: To not be afraid to go to the depths of your emotion that you can heal from your past traumas. And that once you get to that state of feeling healed, you're not actually done because then there's expansion, there's growth, there's newer, you know, new ways of being that you can start stepping into, even when you're not being informed yeah. by past trauma.
0: Love it. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why?
1: I would love to speak to Brené Brown because I love her research on emotional fluency and vulnerability and shame.
0: If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be?
1: That your intuition is right and that if you act on it, your life will be so much easier. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Lastly, Amanda, if you were to give your last 30-second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart?
1: Learning to love yourself is the most valuable work you can do and hire the right professionals to help you get there. Beautiful. Beautiful.
0: Amanda, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me today and for sharing a little bit about your story and your journey. It has been an absolute pleasure and honor to sit down and have the opportunity to speak with you. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. There's been a lot of laughs, a lot of fun. You are a beautiful bright light shining out into the world. So thank you for being part of the Empowerography community and for being a guest today. I appreciate you.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I've really appreciated our connection. And I love all of our chats that we've had. It's just been an incredible addition to my life. So thank you for the work you do.
0: My pleasure. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Amanda Kate. She is a kinesiologist, a mentor, a life coach, an author, a podcast host, newly crowned podcast host, (laughs) and last but certainly not least, a mother. Thank you once again, Amanda. It's been an absolute pleasure. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day.
1: Uh, Thank you. You too.
0: Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca Follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.